Hi, this is Casey Treat. I'm pastor at Christian Faith, and we are excited to have you with us on our podcast. Thanks for joining in. I'm praying that you're gonna hear a word that will inspire you, empower you to connect with Jesus and become more like Him. That's what we live for. That's what's happening on today's podcast. We're in a series on identity and identity in action. Matthew 5, 48, verse we talked about last week, verse I mean, we're gonna sit on and really use as a core verse for us, so they're gonna throw it on the screens for us. It says, uh, Matthew 5, 48, your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a kingdom subject. Now turn to the other neighbor you ignored and say, now live like it. Now live like it. You're a kingdom subject, now live like it. Live out your god created identity. But here's, I want to focus on this one word, now. Now live like it. When you come to Jesus, there should be a a now moment. Now act like Jesus. Now, now live out the identity that he made for you. Is there a before and an after Jesus in your life? Is there, oh man, that was a before Jesus moment, but now that I know Jesus, I'm different. Oh, well, I acted that way pre-Jesus. That was a BC me. But now that, now that I know Jesus, I'm different. Has, has there been a shift in your identity and a shift in your actions from your identity once you came to Jesus? Is there, is there action behind identity? When I was younger, there was an artist that released an album, and I remember a lot of people liked it, and then it came out, the, the, a lot of the tracks were about a rough life and a hard upbringing and how we didn't have much and all went through just, 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 you know, worked himself up from the bottom. And then it came out that he, he, he actually grew up in like a gated neighborhood with a great family. Had a lot going for him. Like what you been talking about this whole time? You've been talking about how tough it is and how hard it's been and how much you went through. And everyone started you know, criticizing him because it just didn't seem like he was being honest about who he actually was. I think many Christians are the same way. I think many Christians talking about, oh, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've gone through. It's so hard. I'm so hurt. I was so broken. I was so this. And, and we just, we paint this picture and that's not who we are. And we're faking on ourselves, so we're faking on people. But God says, live out the identity that he created. You're a kingdom subject. Now live like it. Live out the identity, your God-created identity. So let me say it this way. For you to claim that you're broken, that you're a victim, for you to claim that as an identity, that you, I've just gone through so much and I'm so hurt, and I'm so wounded, and I'll never be able to overcome. If that's true, then, then what you're saying is God created an identity of a broken person for you to live. Or you don't believe the Bible because the Bible says he created your identity. So if he didn't create for you, let's just assume that God probably didn't create your identity to be broken and hurt and wounded and and bitter and angry. If that's not what he created, then what are you living like? 
Why are you living a lie if that's not who you are? You're like, yeah, listen, but you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know who I am. You don't know where I've been. Maybe say, let me say it this way. I got three kids, and I, have you, has any parents ever think that, I feel like every kid goes through this season where they were like somehow born to be just like uh, Broadway actors because of just how, like, like they're just over the top with everything sometimes. Like, my goodness, like you were just born to be like over, like just put this kid on Broadway because like everything is a crisis. Everything is over the top. Everything, like my little man, he's four. I love this little guy to death. But there's a difference between him and I. He has emotions for everything. I have emotions and nothing. Like I really, like my emotional game is super low. Just minimal emotions. But he, he can run to me and he's, he's, he runs to me, his lips quivering and his eyes are full of tears. And he's like, you can just tell like, like oh my goodness, like what just happened, Levi? Like, are you okay? Like what? Like it's as if the world has crashed. He's just about to, and he's like worked up, and I'm like, what? Calm, and he's like, no, 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 Nora bumps me. I'm like, what? Dude, your big sister, and tears, and he's, he's like, bro, catch your breath. This is ridiculous. Did he get bumped? Did he get pushed? Is he emotional? From his perspective, from his truth, from his vantage point, from his perspective, is he going through something? Yes. But is his truth the whole truth? Could his father have a better perspective of the situation? Could his father see more of the situation? Yes, what he's going through is how he's experiencing it. And yes, it's true to him. But just because it's true to him doesn't mean it's the totality of truth. Just because you went through a bad season doesn't mean you're a victim. Just because you went through hurt and abuse and pain does not limit you to that hurt or abuse or pain. Just because what you went through is true, it does not mean it's defined who you are. And too many of us Christians are living our lives with identities from past experiences that don't define who we are. I have no business defining who we are, I should say. But we're allowing ourselves to identify as victims. We're allowing ourselves to identify as wounded, as hurt, as misused, as overlooked, as devalued. We're allowing ourselves to identify to a fraction of what we've gone through as opposed to saying, if God created my identity, then I better start living up to the standard that he created me to live. Too many of us are living lives like that artist. We releasing tracks, acting like we going through something. And God's like, you never gone, like, what are you talking about? That's not who you are. You're my son and my daughter. You're healed. You're whole. You're healthy. You're forgiven. You're righteous. You're an overcomer. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. God is gonna complete the work that he started in. Like, that's who you are. Stop identifying with your broken self with your abuse past. I think a lot of us struggle, myself included, we've had moments where a coach, a friend, maybe a past 
spouse of yours, a past friend of yours said something sideways, maybe even said something casual and never meant anything by it, and you've lived for 10 and 20 and 30 years holding on to that as if it's true. A person said something sideways because they were having a bad day, and you let it it define you. You've allowed their sideways comment to carry more weight in your life than the words of God in your life. There's a a story my mom says where she was in the third grade, and a teacher of hers just casually just said, oh, you're not a good writer. You'll never write much. Now, I'm sure that teacher did not mean to make a comment that a third grader was going to hold for the next 30 years of her life. But that's what happened. My mom just for some reason caught that. And she remembered growing up through elementary, through middle school, all through high school, I'm just not a good writer. I'm not a good writer. I'm not a good writer. I'm not a good writer. I just, I can't. Why in the world would a third grader grab that side comment and never let it go? I don't know, but honestly, we've all done it. There's a comment or two a coach said about you, a teacher said about you, a pastor. You've let someone that you went on three dates with say something sideways to you, and you still think about that. They weren't worth a fourth date, but somehow you gave them the permission to define your identity? You better throw that out. But fast forward, my mom now has written countless books. Books on faith, books on parenting, books on marriage. I don't even know if that teacher ever wrote a book. So who's the good writer now? You see, but that, I'm sure that teacher wasn't being malicious. I'm sure she wasn't trying to speak hate. I'm sure she wasn't trying to speak doubt or fear. She just said something sideways. But if my mom hadn't taken that to Jesus, she would have let that sideways comment have an impact on her identity. I'm just someone that can't write. I think you've heard stuff. You heard stuff when you were growing up. Oh, we just, we don't, we don't prosper. We don't, we always, we never have money. Says who? Says who? Oh, you're broke dad? Well, your broke dad doesn't have money. That doesn't define who you are. Your God in heaven's walking on streets of gold. I'm sure he's got something to spare. Oh, we never, we just always barely get by. Why? Oh, we just don't get healed. Why? See, my God said that I am healed. So I get to walk out my identity in health. My, my God said that I am prosperous. So I, I have more than enough in all things in life and godliness. That's what my Bible says about my identity. So I walk in prosperity in all things. My friendships prosper. Finances prosper. Marriage prospers. Homes prosper. Investments prosper. Health Prosper. I just, that's who I am. That's more true about me than the sideways comments from a past relationship. Live out your God-created identity. God made your identity. He formed it. And many of us aren't fully living it out. I want to talk for a few minutes on how to live that out. Go with me to Luke 10. Let's talk about how do I live this out? How do I, if, if I really want to live this life out to the fullest, to live out my identity, how do I find a way to, to express it better, to find more places for it to, to really come to life in my life? Let's look at this story really quick. Luke 10, 25 through 37. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. It says, 
One day, an expert of religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him a question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replies, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? I love that comment. You should underline that. How do you read it? How do you process? How do you interpret what God says? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Do this and you'll have eternal life. Do this and you'll be saved. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, who do you say my neighbor is? Who is my neighbor? How do you define neighbor? Jesus replies with this story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest or a pastor came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant or a, a church staff member or a dream teamer walked over and looked at him lying there. But he too also passed on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along. When he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of, of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed mercy. Then Jesus says, yes, now go and do the same. Now go and do the same. This story to me is so amazing. It's profound because there's, you find this, this re religious leader, this person that knew everything there was to know about the biblical law up until that point. The Old Testament was written. He knew it all. Scholar, I, he knows everything. But so he goes, listen, Jesus, what do I got to do to be saved? Now, let me say this before we move on. Up until this point, Jesus hadn't died on the cross. Once Jesus died, salvation became an instant gift. There's nothing you could do to earn or deserve salvation. It's something that Jesus freely gives. You're saved because you believe in your heart and confess through the mouth that Jesus is Lord and you'll be saved. So there's nothing you can do or earn. However, let me say it this way. Salvation is something that you can't earn, but once you receive it, there's clear works that come from it. I can do no works to earn salvation, but once I've freely received salvation, I immediately want to work from it. I want to show grace from it. I want to love from it. There is a response that once I've received this gift, I receive salvation, and now let me use it in my life to, to love others, to give, to serve, to, to pray, to, to bring people to Jesus. I want to use salvation. So this is what Jesus is saying. When you've received me, there's going to be a response. Look at this story, though. There's a man that's beat up, stripped on the side of a robe. And he's laying there. Can you imagine? You're like, oh, pastor. Yes, it's a pastor. It's a priest. And then the pastor's like, Got to get going. I got a meeting to get to. Got to get to the next synagogue. I got to get to my next gig. I got to get, you know, I, you know, I got an Instagram live coming up. I got to get going. 
gotta get out of here. Just leaves him, ignores him. Then there's like a staff member, a church staff member comes by and he's like, oh, a staff member, I can see, you got the dream team badge on, dream teamer. He's like, let me put this away real quick. I'm not scheduled right now. I'm only scheduled on the first and the third. (laughs) This is my moment. Tosi never told me nothing about this. I wasn't trained for this. This isn't in my training. Cook didn't tell me about this. I was not ready for this. This isn't in the prayer part of training. I don't know what to do. So I was like, whoop, 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 whoop. Then he goes, then there was a despised Samaritan. Now, Jesus was talking to Jewish men. And at that time in history, in culture, Jewish people hated Samaritans. They despised them. They looked down on them. They thought they were half-breeds and half-people in essence. So when Jesus is telling this man a story, he picks the exact type of person that would have, re- that would have offended him the most. He picks the person that that guy would have said, that's the least likely person to be used by God ever. If Jesus told you the story, what kind of person would he have used as the Good Samaritan? Would he have picked a different culture? nationality, background, political leaning. Maybe gender would have been an issue for you. Maybe someone with a face tattoo. Maybe someone sitting on the stage wearing a hoodie while they preach. What would Jesus use to stress you out? Talking about someone he was using. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever missed something God was trying to do in your life because he used the wrong vessel? Like you were like, God would never use that person. God would never speak to me through that person. God would never, like, have you missed things of God in your life because you discredited the person he tried to use in your life? They're too young, they're too old, they're too this, they're too that. God, no, I'm not listening, that's, that's not from God because I'm, I'm gonna discredit you because God wouldn't use you in my life. Jesus picks the very person that would have been the most offensive to this man, also the most offensive to the injured man because the injured man was a Jewish man too. Could you imagine laying there and you see a priest, you're like, oh, thank you, priest, and he leaves. And then a, a Levite, it says in the original text, which is a, a person that worked in the temple, a staff member, they, they, they walk by you, but then a Samaritan, someone that you've looked down upon your whole life, stops. Says, let me help. Let me serve. See, this, this story is not trying to say, live your life looking for people that have been beat up and stripped naked on the side of the road. Jesus ain't telling you to go look for people on the side of the road that are naked. He's saying, when you're living your life and you pass someone in need that you have something to give, you need to stop and show mercy to that person. Does Jesus have access to interrupt your calendar? Because most of us don't schedule interruptions in our day. Most of us just don't see that stuff coming. Most of us don't, don't say, oh, today's the day that my coworker at the water cooler is gonna say, man, I'm really going through it at home. 
We don't have that scheduled. We don't have that penciled in. So are you willing to go, this is a moment from God, I'll pray. This is a moment from God, I'll help, I'll listen. Or are you just so busy, like, I got, I got a lot of stuff too going, oh, you don't, man, you don't, man, my wife too. No, you instantly add to the, to the negativity or do you see it as a moment to show mercy and be a vessel for Jesus in that moment? See, Jesus says the one that was the neighbor was the one that saw an issue and stopped. He had stuff. He had a donkey loaded. He had, clearly he had stuff with him. He was going somewhere. It wasn't like he was just out on a stroll looking for naked dudes on the side of the road. Right? And yet somehow he was willing to interrupt himself to love. That's what we're called to do. To interrupt ourselves, interrupt our, our, our lives, our day. So I'm, I'm willing to let God interrupt my life to love and to serve and to give and to show mercy. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. I want to compare these two passages really quickly and then show you how we're going to use it in our lives. First, now remember the, remember the story of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to compare it to this, story, uh, to this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 starting in verse 12. It says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentile, but we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot should say, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand. Does that make it not part, any less part of the body. And if the ears just say, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, what would that, would it make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell? But our bodies have many parts, catch this, and God has put each part just where he wants it. God put each part where he wants it. Again, I got to remind us, God never asked your opinion on your identity. Don't forget this. When he was forming you in your mother's womb, he didn't pause and say, wait, wait, hold up. Do you feel like a boy or a girl? Cancel me. See what the Bible says about it. I don't care. I'll stand with the word. Let every man be a liar. Church, we got to stay strong on the way. Now, there, I'm not saying to go make fights. I'm saying for us to raise our families healthy on the word of God. I don't, need, I don't need Facebook warriors, okay? We don't need that, okay? Like that's never won anyone to Jesus. It's like that person with the megaphone. It's like, turn or burn. You're like, Jesus, this isn't, has anyone, has that ever worked one time in your life? In the history of turn or burn statements, has anyone ever turned to not burn? Probably not. I don't need you fighting fights on Facebook, but I need you knowing the word that says, like God didn't ask you. This is how I feel. Bless your heart. I feel hungry. I'm not a taco. God says, he puts you in the body. You know what else this means? He didn't ask what you want to be. He was like, do you, do you want to be an eye or an ear? What, what kind of giftings do you want? You want to be a hospitality person? You want to be a prayer? You want the gift of healing? Hey, no, he didn't ask. 
He didn't ask where you fit in the body. He had decided, he decided himself. He assigned you a part of the body. Shut up and play your part. Or don't, but there's no other part for you but the part he already assigned for you. You don't get a switch. It's not like back in the day when you had like sports cars, like, hey, let's make a trade, dog. Like, I can't switch with you. You can't switch with me. Like, I, I have to surrender to God and go, listen, what you've called me to do, I submit. I surrender to your call on my life. I'm just all in on what you've called. No, can I be honest with you? There was a point in my life where I would have picked pretty much anything else than what I felt he was calling me to do. Well, if, I, if I had to write a list of things I didn't want to do when I was growing up, on the top of my list, guess the one thing that I didn't want to do? I remember growing up, people would always say, oh, you're just like your dad. And I was like, man, I love my dad. I look up to my dad. He's incredible. I, I, we have a great relationship. I, I love, we work together, we'll hang out together. Go get like we just I'll, I'll be, but the last thing I wanted to do was preach like that. Terrified me. Let me say that it terrifies me. Present tense, still to this day, sweating through shirts up here, church. Not because of the lights, because I'm stressed. But there was a moment I had to say, "Not my will." I didn't form me in my mother's womb. I didn't define me. I didn't identify me. I didn't create my, I didn't make my destiny. I didn't make my plans. I didn't make the, the end from the beginning and the beginning from, I didn't do that. I'm not the author and the finisher of my faith. I am just a subject that submitted to God and said, your will, not my will. And if that's what you will, here I go. I just had to say yes. I laugh at people that are like, oh, you're just up there because that's your dad. You were just given that. And I'm like, honestly, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know why I'm up here either. You and me both are confused about it. I'm on your side of this argument. But I had to say yes to Jesus because I didn't have another part of the body waiting for me. I just had to say, I submit my will to you, Jesus. I'm just going to go for it. I got to go for what God's called me to. God fits everything in the body. And it's so frustrating when there are people that go, well, I wish I was like that gift. I want to be the I. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not what God called you to. He called you to something else. And there, there must be a surrender moment, a not my will, but your will be done, God. We need to say, listen, God, this isn't about me. This isn't about how I feel. This isn't about what I've gone through. This isn't what I've earned or deserved. It's not my will, but your will be done in my life. I, I just, I will play my part, God. Whatever that part is, I'm committed to it. I'm in. Let's keep going real quick. God has put each part just where he wants in the body. Verse 27, jump down a few verses. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you are part of it. Here are, some, um, here are some of the parts of God's, uh, parts God has appointed to the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in the unknown language, those who are all apostles, 
are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all have the power to do miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do you all have the ability to speak an unknown language? Um, do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the, more, the most helpful gifts. But now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. At the end of that chapter, right there, let me show you the way that's best of all. He goes into 1 Corinthians 13, which many of you are familiar with. It's the chapter on love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, love, love. If I prophecy, but I have no love. If I sound like angels, but I have no love. If I, all this just, just beautiful chapter on love. At the end of it, it finishes with faith, hope, and love, but above all, love. Now, I need us to bring these three things together, that the story of the Good Samaritan, the body of Christ, and above all, love. And when you bring this together, you're going to start to see how you operate or express yourself on a daily basis in the body of Christ and in your world today. It goes on that there's gifts, gifts of helps, gifts of administration, gifts of hospitality, gifts of leadership, gifts of prophecy, the apostleship, evangelists, pastors, teachers. There's just so many gifts. And that's not an extensive list. There's so many more. We offer them in our growth track. If you've never gone through it, you got to check that out. Take that spiritual gifting test to see some awareness of some of the things that God has gifted you with. There are so many giftings in the body of Christ and you have some and you need to start serving and using them on a daily basis. Let me say it this way. I, I believe that when you find your part in the body, your giftings, you're gifted to be a hospitality, you're gifted to pray, you're gifted to serve, you're gifted to give. Then when you see people in need, you start operating in that part of the body that you operate in. So when you see someone on the side of the road in need, you start serving or you start leading and you solve the problem or you give and you help them out of it or you, you sit with them and you listen to them and their story. When you figure out what you're gifted to do, you bring that part of the body to the person in need that God brought you to see in that moment. The answer isn't for you to do everything. And many of us discredit or disqualify ourselves from serving ever because we can't do all of it. You'll never be able to do all of it. You're just gifted to do your part. Be your part of the body. Serve the person you see. Serve the needs you see in the way that you see fit. And God's going to use that for his glory. Can I say this? That many people discredit their spiritual gifts because they're too natural. Pastor Terry, me and him talked, uh, he said it ages ago to me, and it just stuck, that many people discredit their spiritual gifts because they seem too common. It's just not a big deal to them. They're so natural. They're so easy. And you think spiritual gifts have to be hard. We've got to work it up. There has to be sacrifice. No, your spiritual gifts come natural to you. They just flow out of you. Some of you, you're just... The hospitality gift is just so strong on you. you just, you're just always bringing people over to your house and you just love to cook. Some of you guys like the gift of prayer is just like you could just pray for people for hours. That's amazing. Some of you that gift of leadership, like you just see a problem and you lead through it. Like that gift that's on, let me say, when you're operating in your spiritual gifts, there's almost a point where you start to feel almost selfish. 
because it's so natural to you that you're actually enjoying it just as much as you're doing giving it. And you wonder, is it actually more about me than them? Because you actually love to do what you were created to do. You love it. So it actually is, it's, it's so rewarding or feeling to you that I feel, I bet many of you have questioned, is this truly me sacrificing for God operating in this gifting? No, because God, God, God gifted you in such a way that you actually want to flow in that gifting. And it almost feels a little self-centered. It's like, man, I, I love to teach. So I was like, wait, is this, is it a gifting or is it, am I selfish? No, I'm just operating my gifting, it just flows. Some people love worship and singing. It just flows. It's not even a sacrifice. They just want to. Some people, y'all, like there's people that are gifted to, 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 to teach our kids in kids' zone. Y'all, I think I would actually go crazy if I served just for one service in there. <laughs> y'all, we got some crazy dream teamers that actually like volunteer their time to go watch y'all's kids. I could, I could, that doesn't make any sense to me. I would go crazy in there. I got, you know, when the Bible says that to each a measure of grace, God gave me enough grace just for my three. He's like, oh, that's it. That's all you get, Caleb. You get just enough for your three. I got no more grace for that. I was just, that is so foreign to me. Like choosing to go into a kid's room. Oh my goodness the courage of those teachers, the boldness. They're, they're martyrs. They're modern-day martyrs, church. <laughs> but they love it. And I loved, most of them are, are serving, but in the first service and second, many of them come and they sit in and then they go serve. I, I could see so many of them. I'm sure there's so many of you in here that you serve consistently in kids. And it's like, it's amazing to me the sacrifice that you make. But to you, it's like, that's not a sacrifice. I love it. You know, they, like, I'm, it's really not a hardship. I really enjoy it. Last week, fam, at the first service, it was 17 degrees outside. We still had greeters on the outside holding doors open for people as they showed up. Just like, welcome to church. I'm so glad you're here. I was like, come inside before like you break. And they're like, no, we love it, pastor. We love it. I, I, I came on, like they were early. They, they had their jackets on, they had their whole truck, they were ready, but they loved to, they were like, I just wanna be here to welcome when people show up, I want them to know that we were ready for them. That's, if, if it seems crazy to you like me, then that's not your gifting. But to someone, they loved it. And they loved greeting. And we had people at that early service when it was 17 degrees outside, walking the parking lot, making sure the things were secure, making sure the things were safe, watching for, why? Because that's what they just want to serve. And so it fills them on the inside and they're on the team serving and giving. They found their part in the body of Christ. And when they see a need, they selflessly fill it. I think there was, I think of the person that shows up, the team that shows up way before our first service, hours to set up. They start brewing free coffee for the nine o'clock service. They're here probably before you woke up, making sure that that first service has coffee brewed, stuff set up, 
Yeah, they got families. Yeah, they, yeah they're married. Yeah, they have kids. But they, they said, listen, we got to serve. We got to be there early. So I'm going to show up early. My, my family will meet me here later. But I, I got to be there to make sure that it's brewed, that it's ready. Y'all thought Jesus just brewed that coffee so it would be ready on time for us. No, no. Jesus isn't turning water to coffee up in here, okay? One of y'all showed up early and started that for us. I think of our creative team that give beyond themselves. And the worship, speaking of you, you could come on the stage. Give so selflessly. They're just all volunteers, but they'll come every week on Wednesday to practice. And they're here before anyone else is here rehearsing on Sunday mornings, making sure that they're ready to lead us into the presence of God. And they learn new songs. And that new song that y'all wrote today, uh, Till the Walls Come Down? Come on, somebody. Bro, we're going to keep praising till our walls come down. And we were able to confess that today because they took the time to seek God and write it. And they give on Wednesdays, and they're the first here, and they're the last to leave. And then we're like, hey, what about revival nights? Like, yeah, Monday, Tuesday, more nights, let's do it. I mean, what about a worship Sunday? Yeah, let's do it. What about Christmas shows? Yeah, I'll give up my Saturdays all through the holiday season. I'm in. They just keep giving and giving and give. Why? Because that's their part of the body and that, that's what they were created to do. And some of us go, well, how, how can you keep giving? And they go, I'm, it's, honestly, it's a little selfish. I just love it so much. I just feel like I'm more alive than ever because it's just my part. I'm, just, I'm in the body and I'm serving. I think of testimonies, countless testimonies of dream teamers who finally started serving. One of our young guys a few weeks ago was serving and he told me in the foyer, he showed up to serve because Tosi had asked him to, to volunteer at an outreach table. He didn't know much about it. He didn't know why he was there to help, but he just said, I'll, I'll show up. First service he was serving, second service, he just saw many, just so many people being impacted by this outreach. Because I never just felt more excited. I told Tosi, I'm staying for third, no matter if he needs me or not. You can't get rid of me now. I'm serving now. I'm in now. I was a, I, something on the inside of me clicked. I, I get it. We have a dream teamer, serves on our baptismal team. Loves seeing people get baptized. Just prays for it, believes for it. Months ago, we had a guy show up, and he, he was confused on the weekends, and he said, I brought my family. We're here to get baptized. I said, my man, we don't, our baptism is not full right now. We drain it, we clean it, and then we fill it for baptism Sundays. I said, well, we'll baptize you, but it's going to be cold. Cold, cold. I mean, I love a good cold plunge, but most people don't. I said, we'll do it if you want to get in the water. He goes, my family's here. Let's do it. We told our dream teamer. He was so excited. He said, let's do it. I'm pumped. I was like, that water could be cold, bro. He goes, I'm in. I can't wait. He got the photo of it and everything. Because he found his part in the body. I found a way to serve. He doesn't have to be Casey in the body. And you weren't created to be the person on your right or your left. You were created to be you. And you have a part in the body. You have a role. You have a gifting. And when you use that gifting, I'll be honest, I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. Sometimes it feels a little selfish because it's so natural. 
You just love it so much. But that's not unnatural. That was how God made you. When you're hosting, you love it. Some people get stressed when people are over at their house. You just love it. I'll, I'll cook for days. I just want to. I just want to. I want fill it up. Let me just host all day long. You could pray for days. Pray, pray, pray. That's a gifting of yours. You should be at our intercessory prayer in the morning with us. You don't need someone else's giftings. We don't need our intercessory prayers leading kids ministry. They might cast the demons out of them, okay? Like we just don't need, they just, they just go hard up in there. No, we need people that are created and called to love kids and kids, we need intercessors interceding. We need creatives playing. We need creatives on cameras. We need them taking photos. We need them making reels. We need them getting the message beyond us on the social media platforms. We need your gifting that God gave you to merge with this body. Some of you are created to be givers. I love, there's a story, one of our guys on staff, he's just such a giver. He loves, he just loves giving beyond. I mean, I know we, God told all of us to give. So you don't get to get out of it if it's not your gifting. But there are some people that are just gifted beyond. Just recently he saved up and he had a, a, a car that his family didn't need. And so he sold it into a family that was tight, that didn't have a way to get to work and was kind of struggling with, with transportation. They just quietly, secretly gave it. I thought, he goes, I just was so excited about that. It wasn't a burden. That's the spiritual gifting that he just operates in. And God used it. The end of that passage where it says, all of us have different parts in the body, but now let me show you a more excellent way. And he says, it's love. It's love. Here's what I need you to catch today before we leave. You are a part of the body. You have spiritual giftings. And the way for you to serve your neighbor is to use your giftings in love. That's it. That's your identity in action. I'm gifted to do certain things, and I do it in love to anyone I see in need. When I pass someone on the road and they're in need, I, I don't disqualify myself because my gifting is different from my perceived need of theirs. No, I help however I can help. Now, if I need someone else in the body to come over, I need someone in the body that's a, that's a hospitality. I need someone in the body that can pray with me. I need someone in the body that can give with me. Yeah, I, I might pull more of the body with me, but it doesn't disqualify me from meeting that need through love the way I'm gifted. We all have giftings. We all have a part to play in the body. And when we love well, we'll serve our neighbors and we'll find our part in the body. Thank you so much for joining with us today. I'm praying that you heard something that will impact your life. If you'd like more information, connect with us at the Christian Faith Church app or go to the website at Christian Faith. Not U.S.